Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. We are focusing on the family this evening and we are talking overcompensating parents. Let's welcome our guests. I've got super moms who are joining us on the line and I'm excited to be joined by Kerry Morrison, who's a super mom and an entrepreneur, a mother to three children. Kerry, good evening. Hi, how are you? Excellent and how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Let's also welcome Angie Wells, who is also a supermom. She's got four children, and uh, with her relentless commitment to the stability, health, and happiness of her family and home. Angie, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm strong, Angie. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show tonight. So I'm going to start off with this question, and Kerry, you can answer first. Do parents tend to overcompensate with when raising their children um, to make up for shortfalls? Oh, absolutely. I think no matter in which way they are overcompensating, I think it's something that we all do. Um, I think it starts from a young age when the children are still extremely young and can't do much for themselves. And uh, you don't want to upset your children, so you start at that age by not wanting to upset them. You, you're overcompensating by giving in to what they need or what they want just to keep them happy. I think it starts off there, and uh, it's up to us to decide whether we continue with that type of pattern as they get older. And uh, to you, Angie, the same question. Do we tend to overcompensate as parents? Oh, definitely. And we see it a lot in moms. A lot of us overcompensate for different reasons. Some of us will overcompensate when our children are emotionally, are suffering emotionally. Then we will be a lot more lenient with them. Others, we, we overcompensate with, with too much love. I think it happens with a lot of mothers. All right, so clearly we do overcompensate, according to Angie. Uh, we need to decide where, in fact, according to Kerry, we need to decide where we tow the line, when we tow the line. But uh, Angie mentioned something around, you know, um, we, we do it by giving love as well. So uh, it, it's a good thing, but does it affect your child in later life? A-teamers do interact with us. I'd love to hear from you. Kerry, you're a mother of three. I am indeed. How, how do you manage? How do you manage to spread yourself out lovingly without overcompensating for one child and make sure that each and every one of your children experiences your love without you having to overcompensate for one who is maybe not as strong as the other two? I think it's, a, it's difficult, but it's also a balance. You have to understand that you've got three little children that all require your attention. They require your guidance in life. And I think it's about forming a special bond with each one in whichever way that may be. You may have one child that has a particular interest in something. For example, my son had a a real association for dinosaurs. So you try and teach him more about dinosaurs. You spend a couple of minutes by just interacting with him about something that he really likes. 
And then you have a different child who has a different interest. So just forming a bond, you know, with each child individually on what is important to them. I think that's the way that you actually, as I say, just form a, form a bond specifically with each child. And, and that's how they feel that they are special. They are getting their time with mommy or daddy. Um, and that's just, <laughs> it's difficult with, with the, I think, with three children, it's difficult. I'm sure there's a lot more that, in fact, Angie can speak up because she's got a fourth child. But it is difficult. You've just got to make the time and uh, make sure that you make those lasting bonds with your children. And what you have just said now, Carrie, doesn't seem like uh, overcompensating. It seems like what parents should be doing, giving each child individual attention, uh, getting to know what they like and what they don't like. And, uh, and then... Angie, I'll come to you. Where do we toe the line? How do I know that I'm now overcompensating? I'm not just giving my child attention. I'm not just being a loving and caring parent. I am now overcompensating. I think it's, it is a def, it's definitely a balance. Um, I think you've got, you, you know, you as a mother know your child. And I think at times you can see whether the child really needs you or, or is in a time of need where they need maybe a little bit more attention. Um, and there are other times where they are seeking the attention or they, they're trying to, um, you know, get a little bit more out of you. Um, and also, each child is different. So some may be going through something different or, or have a, dis- like, I don't want to say a disability, but they may have something different from the rest of your children that does require a bit more attention. But you've also got to... Stop it at the point where you are overcompensating because you don't want to upset that child. It's it's a very fine balance. So how are you coping with four children? So on my side, it is extremely difficult. And I am one of those parents that do overcompensate. And I do overcompensate in different ways with my different children because they're all very, very different. So for example my eight-year-old Russell, I overcompensate a lot with him emotionally because he lost his father at a young age. My late husband passed away and because of all the trauma he went through, I find myself overcompensating a lot. And because of that, I give him far more leniency than I do with my other children. And this is not entirely a good thing because it leads to some bad behavioral problems. And and it does, it becomes a pattern. And I find that sometimes I, I don't even notice that I'm doing it because it's just it's just so normal for me now that sometimes I need someone to point it out to me, my fiance, other family members need to point it out to me and say, No, what he just did was wrong. So I overcompensate with that child in that way. And then my other child is mm-hmm. a, a toddler. And while we all know what toddlers are like, so, you know, I overcompensate with hugs and kisses and basically I smother the kid in love, you know. (laughs) So it's it's very hard. And to draw the line is very hard and, in my opinion, next to impossible. Sure. Now, in terms of, I mean, you mentioned your eldest, who's eight, Russell. 
um, you know, that he's you're... He's second oh, eldest. Oh, he's second eldest. Okay. So he's, his dad passed on and you, you feel that you are overcompensating. Maybe, is, is that something that is due to the fact that you... you, you I don't know if guilt is the right word, but for lack of a better word, let's use guilt. You feel guilty that he has lost his father at a young age and you want to make sure that you fill that void, a void that practically can't be filled by you, but you, you, you do this because you want him to be happy and to have happy memories. But you also cite that, hey, the poor child then can also have uh, side effects with, for instance, what you said, behavioral issues. So is there another approach? Um, there is another approach, mm. and I think it comes down to you need to just be consistent. And for children to feel loved, you need to have certain things, like discipline is a very important thing in, in for, for children to feel secure and safe. So there is another way of going around it. So I, in some ways, I do feel guilty that he lost his father, but also know that it's not my fault at all. But I also know that sometimes he does struggle emotionally because of the trauma that he has gone through. And maybe that's why I overcompensate the way that I do. Totally understand, totally understand. You know, for, for I'm, I'm a mother of three, so I'll share with you ladies. I'm a mother of three, <laughs> I've been through a divorce. And I asked this morning, actually, as I was driving my kids to school, I asked them a question. How would you describe mommy? And I said to them, please be honest with me. And and the two youngest, obviously, they, the, the youngest is three. She just laughed and giggled. And uh, the seven-year-old was like, oh, mom, I don't know what to say. You're my mom. <laughs> but <laughs> the 12-year-old, who's now able to critically think, said to me, mom, you're open. You're honest. You're cool, but you're extremely strict. But I like the fact that when you're not in a good mood, you let us know. So you're an open book. Mm. You're, and I thought, my goodness, am I doing the right thing <laughs> with the, <laughs> these children? But then yet again, the fact that I'm open to them telling me, you know, who I am and how they view me helps me with my interactions with them. And mm. then I asked myself the question, because I knew we were going to have this discussion. Where is it that I might be com overcompensating? As um, you ladies were saying, that sometimes you need someone else to point it out to you that now you're mm. overdoing it with the overcompensation. And with that word, mom, you are strict. I realize maybe I'm not overcompensating. Maybe I need to ease down a bit. I need, I need to be cooler <laughs> than just, mom, you are cool, by the way. <laughs> so, so how does maybe it... Maybe you need to be a cool mom. Uh, 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 well, I try, I try, but it's not easy, <laughs> it's not easy with little ones. So how does, how does uh, you know, especially for, for mothers who have lost, you know, partners, either via divorce or um, via a death, how do they... Make sure that you are holistically looking after your child emotionally, mentally, physically, in every other way. But you are not creating a little monster by always pampering them to hide your guilt because of what experiences you have been through with this child present in your life. Kerry, do you want to take this one? You know, I think I think this is a very difficult one because when it comes to divorced parents. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned just now that you are divorced. Um, you know, I think it can go one of two ways. Either the parent feels extremely guilty for what has happened and they, they try to overcompensate 
um, by making the child happy. You know, they don't want the child to hate them because what if, you know, what if your child hates you or is unhappy with your parenting style? Are they going to go running to the other parent? And in the same way, I think that some parents go to the extreme of gifting their child or trying to sort of buy their affection, <clears throat> overcompensating in that sense to to get their child's love, you know, so that they also don't lose it. And um, a very, very important thing that I think is that by putting your foot down, many parents feel as though their child is going to hate them. And I think the truth is that sometimes we need their love to get through the hardships that we are going through more than what they are expecting from us. So very true. Uh, Angie, what's your take? Um, I do agree with what Kerry is saying that, um, you know, they, they do, we, we do think that they are going to hate us when we discipline them. But the thing is, I always remind myself is if your child doesn't tell you that they hate you once in your parenting career, then you are not doing your job properly because parenting is tough and you can't always give in to your children. Sometimes we need to put our foot down and stand firm because we know what is right for them. But looking at how we can possibly find a balance, I would say using the three C's helps, and that is connection, competence, and choice. And that also goes hand in hand with the ABCs, which is acceptance, belonging, and what is the C? And... You'll come back to the C. You'll come back to the C. But yeah, um, so the three C's and the ABC are something that we need to be very cognizant of as we are parenting. Yes, yeah, so the ABC's is acceptance, belonging, and so I can't remember what C is. Mm-hmm. And Contribution. if you stick to those, it's, excuse me? Contribution, that they, f- they contribution. must contribute to the family. <laughs> that is it. Thank you, Kerry. Contribution. And if you just use, especially the ABC's, your kids will feel secure and loved. And in that way, their behavior will be so much better. And we will also um, overcompensate, overcompensate way less. Let's go to a voice note from our A-teamers. Remember, we love to hear from you and listening as an A-teamer at home. You can send a WhatsApp to 0614104107 or call in on 011-714-2006. Perhaps you're a parent and you are separated from your child and you've been wondering if you're overcompensating by buying too many gifts every time you see your child um, or you know telling them a thousand times that you love them on the phone. Uh, maybe you feel guilty and you're trying to hide it with all these things and you want just some advice from the ladies I've got super moms uh, joining us on the line Kerry and Angie so you can ask your questions you can also send us an SMS on 41391 Overcompensation is tantamount to spoiling a child you know as a parent as a responsible and caring parent I do not overcompensate. Children who are being overcompensated at the later stage, in particular when this parent who has spoiled them is normal, his or her siblings 
will illustrate this chart. They will illustrate this chart actually, the stock truth. So overcompensation is not the right thing. We must discipline our children and we must treat them equally. So children should not be overcompensated. We do not spoil, we should not spare the road and spoil our children. I am anonymous from Brad Fisher. All right, Anonymous from Bram Fisher, thank you very much for your contribution there. Ladies, um, maybe uh, would you like to weigh in on what Anonymous has said? Sorry, I just want to say that I was begging to hear, I couldn't really hear exactly what he was saying. Um, Thank you, just... um, explain to me, please. All right. So he was just saying that he doesn't believe in overcompensation uh, when it comes to child children, because if uh, the parents have passed on, uh, this particular child is going to be a problem to the siblings and to community. So don't uh, spare the rod to, to spoil the child. Okay. So obviously that is his opinion, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but. And I suppose you could look at it that way, that maybe in his eyes he isn't overcompensating because he might have a child that truly does need to have so much love and to be hugged and kissed every day. Maybe that is the child that he has, and then in that case he wouldn't be overcompensating or buying his children lots of gifts. Maybe his his love language is the gift of giving. So then in that case, he he isn't overcompensating. Mm, mm. Here's another voice note. For the most part, we men who who, who don't live with their children, who have their children, who who live with their mothers, we have that tendency of lavishing these children with money in hope of making up for the lost time because we want to most to make the most of the time we we, we we spend with them because for the most part we don't spend much time with them so we lavish these children with money you know what is what happens is that these children are gonna go to to, to impress their friends and show and show off and show off that they have these doting fathers at the end of the day, they go on a drinking spree, they smoke drugs, they get they get up to all these mischievous things. So that's usually the case. So I don't know. Kungkwali, kukumpu. Thank you very much for that voice note, Kungkwali. Um, um, so... Uh... Let, let, let me allow Angie to take this one. Uh, did you hear the ATMA clearly, Angie? I did, yeah. Mm. So uh, I do agree, and we see this with a lot of divorced parents where the children stay with mom and go to dad every second weekend. And I do see that the fathers do overcompensate with gifts because you feel guilty for not being there all the time, for not being there with their moms, for making it work with their moms. So you overcompensate by buying them shoes and clothes and toys and sweets and whatever whatever gifts you can shower your children with. And this is this happens so frequently. And sometimes it can lead to poor behavior like the, the listener has just mentioned, like children becoming entitled and spoiled and then going on drinking sprees and taking drugs and so on and so forth. 
But I think if we just monitor how much compensating, overcompensating we are doing, then we can try and curb that bad behavior. And again, going back to the ABCs of acceptance, belonging, and contribution, and bring your kids in with that, then maybe us as parents will feel less guilty and therefore overcompensate less. And then the children in turn will also start behaving in a more appropriate manner. Kerry, when when children are being overcompensated, what sort of behaviour can we expect? So that, especially as telltale signs in the early ages, I mean, when the child's about five, um, can we tell by then that I've been overcompensating so I can withdraw and start, um, you know, raising and parenting my child in an appropriate way so that their behaviour is not negatively affected? You know what, I think at the end of the day, we need to just realise you know, when we are giving in to demands from our children and when we're actually just being there for when they actually need us. Um, At the end of the day, if you are just rewarding bad behavior because you don't want your child to get upset, you're not teaching them the right lesson. You're, You're honestly just teaching them that they're going to be rewarded without putting in any real effort or for doing naughty things. They're being rewarded. And I think that can ultimately lead to entitlement or or actually where the children learn how to manipulate you as a parent. So I think there's a fine line between, you know, spoiling your children and and showing them love when they need it versus actually going overboard. And at the end of the day, we are the parents. And I think it comes back to having that, that routine, that discipline, setting boundaries for your children. And ultimately, children need guidance. They don't need gifts. They don't need, I mean, yes, okay, sorry, they do need love. (laughs) But um, they ultimately need guidance. We are there to guide them through life. And I think that's that's what should be on the forefront of any parent's um, mindset. And, And when you're raising children, is just making sure that you have a good routine with your children having discipline because children honestly do thrive on discipline and you just need to set those boundaries with your children and tell them what they are and are not allowed and don't like compensate them or overcompensate them for when they're misbehaving. There should be gifts when they're being good or when, when you feel that they deserve it, maybe for doing well at school or something, but then also putting in strict rules and disciplining your children when they've done something wrong. Angie, you know, I've seen when I go into a shopping center, a lot of, especially toddlers, who would uh, scream, shout, cry because they saw a toy or they saw a sweet and they would demand it. And I'd carefully watch these parents um, and, and, you know, they'd feel embarrassed because now everyone is looking at us, we're causing a mess and, you know, people are just, upset with us because it's it's noisy and they'd give this child the sweet and this child would keep quiet aisle number three the child finds something they want again does the same behavior 
and they, they give the child what they want to gain. And because I've never experienced this with any of my three children, I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing, <laughs> but I look at it and I ask myself, are these parents being manipulated? Because now it, it goes beyond overcompensating. It's now mm. children manipulating adults. And are these mm. parents who then just throw it into the basket and say, here, here, you can have it, don't cry anymore. And the next one, here, here, have it, don't cry anymore. Are they creating little monsters for society who will just want, want, want? Oh, 100%. Excuse me, the frog decided to come out and talk in my throat. Hundred <clears> percent. Um, you know, this is the thing with overcompensating. We overcompensate because we know that if we go if we don't give the child what he wants, he's going to scream. So then we overcompensate by saying, Don't do this, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, have a sweet, have a sweet, please be quiet. And then what happens is they learn how to manipulate us and they become master manipulators. So now you go into the shops and they want that toy. And because you're so worried about everyone looking at you and judging you, um, some parents do. They just buy just to keep the child quiet. And then the children become incredible manipulators. And obviously growing up and becoming adults, this pattern just keeps continuing. And so in that case, we need to be mindful of what we're doing and pick our battles, when to give in, and when not to give in, when it's a serious thing or when it's not a serious thing. And I think that's very important. And for a lot of moms, I think we all overcompensate in some way. But I think we need to be more mindful and really just pick our battles and obviously not give in every time our children scream. And also, I just need to give you a, a hands up for your child never throwing a tantrum in the shop. Because my children have thrown tensions in shock, <laughs> and I just carry on walking. <laughs> Maybe that's where the strict mom comes in. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I just. I'm a, I'm a person who plans. I, I I don't buy anything in the store that I did not write down my little list. So I'm I'm that irritating as a mother. And I will have a consultation with the kids. And I think they've learned it. So mommy is going to buy this and this and this because it's very essential. And I'm going to allow you guys to have a treat each. What treat would you like? And when we get to the shop, you're not going to ask for anything else. So this is how I do it. You're not going to ask for anything else because mommy will not have enough money on her to buy the next thing mm. or the thing that you just said. But if you like something, show it to mommy so we can budget for it for the next time we go to the shops or whenever mommy has enough money for it. I'm very open and honest like that. Mm. And then when you when they get into the shop and they, I mean, when they're still younger, two, two and a half, and they in those terrible twos and they want to test me, I stop mm -hmm. the trolley. I don't give it to you. And I look at you and I ask, what did mommy tell you before we left the house? Very calm, eye to eye contact. And you'll try your sob and mommy will not move. Mommy will ask again, what did I tell you before we left the house? And I'll take out the paper and I'll say, but you said you'd like a Kinder Joy. We will get to the Kinder Joy aisle and we'll take one for you. That is not a Kinder Joy. You're not going to have it. Please do not make a noise. And Mommy will look at you until you nod and say, yes, yes, I won't. And you can have your little private sob, but that will be the first and the last time you'll do it in the shop because Mommy does not give in. <laughs> so parents, <laughs> if you think my approach is okay, please follow my, follow my lead. Tell your children what you're buying because inclusive, that's what you said um, initially. Yeah. You said let's include the children. 
A, B, C. Let them know they're yes. part of this family. Let's communicate with them. Let's not just go to the shop and they think everything is for free because they don't see you paying. They don't see the process. <laughs> Just go to the machine and get the money. Yeah. But who puts the money in the machine? Who works with the <laughs> And I think that is such good parenting that you are doing right there. And a lot of us should actually start doing that because that just shows the children like, how to budget. So when they're adults, they can do these things and not just go to shops and buy everything. I think that's very, very good parenting. Well done. Well, thank you very much. It, 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 it took single parenting for a while to get it right. But the other thing that I notice, we now have adults, people our age, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, who were raised by parents who overcompensated. And we now are friends with them, colleagues with them, uh, partners with them. And these people are not the nicest people in our society because they are used to having things their way. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with that? Carrie, please come in. How do we deal with that? How do you deal with people who are now adults and are used to having everything their way or the highway? That is that is very difficult because now you're talking, as you say, about 20, 30, 40 years or more where these people have learned um, how to get their way and possibly learned the, the art of manipulation and in, in getting people to do what they want because the people around them are either fearful mm-hmm. of, you know, upsetting them. Um, it's, yeah, that's, it's a very, very difficult thing. Um, you know, the thing is when you are an adult, you've got to deal with things like an adult and you, you know, it's, it's hard to say, like, you shouldn't give in, you should stand your ground. It's the same, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, where, you know, by putting your foot down, you, you may feel hated. You shouldn't worry about what other people are thinking about you to begin with. Um, you know, if, if they're going to get upset uh, because they're not getting their way, then, then that's on them. And, and uh, it's, it's difficult because... Some people have obviously had that all their lives, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's a very difficult topic for me because I think once that's been set in their brain and they, they just know how to get things, you know, trying not to upset them um, by, by telling them, no, you're not going to do this, or I'm not going to act like that, I, I think it, it can be difficult. It, it causes big, big issues for, for their partners in life or for the people around them. Angie, what's your thought? So I'm very similar to Kerry's, except for I'm a little bit more stubborn and harder. So I have morals and values set very deep in my core. And I just stick to my guns. I respect myself and I will not let other people disrespect me. And when you're dealing with adults that have been overcompensated by their parents, whether it's with gifting, emotions, whatever it may be, they do become entitled and they have learned the art of manipulation. And they do try it in the big world with other adults. And people just need to stick to their guns and and stick to their, their values and respect yourself. If you respect yourself, you will never allow anyone to disrespect you. I totally and agree. And that's basically just what I do. I totally agree. And I, I think as parents, as we are you know, going through this, there's no manual for parenting, but as we are going through this parenting roller coaster ride, we also need to remember uh, something that I used to hear a lot um, when I was in high school, at school, tough love. 
because mm. in life orientation, there was always talks around, you know, don't use drugs. And they'd say, your parents need to show you tough love, tough love. And we don't do that once we start parenting. And then we don't realize that the children that we are going to raise are going to come into society and they're just going to be little monsters. But I agree. Mm. I agree. Tough love is what we need to give them. Self-respect. And if you don't respect my boundaries, I then we tow the line somewhere. Let me go to voice notes from A-teamers. A-teamers, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say because this is a topic that touches all of us. It touches you as an adult now, whether you've got children or not, because you've got nieces and nephews around. Um, it touches you because the person that you're interacting with at work, at, at, at your um, gym club, uh, your partner, they are someone's child, and the way they treat you reflects on how they were raised. So parenting is very important. Are you overcompensating? Send us a WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. Joseph, uh, who says, maybe one day I'll have a child, and maybe, again, I might unintentionally overcompensate my child because I'm a young adult, and I feel like I have been robbed of parental love. Angie, I mean, this A-teamer who's just sent this message is being very sincere. He feels robbed from having parental love. He doesn't elaborate further. But clearly, he now wants to overcompensate with love. How can he do it right? How can he love his children when he has them, but love them right? So I can totally relate with this, this young man because... I have been brought up in the same kind of environment. I also, my mom was a single mom and she was a nurse and so she worked very long hours. And I was robbed by a lot of affection from her. She also had a mental illness. Now as an adult and having my own children, I find that I try to give my kids what I didn't have, almost overcompensating. So. My mom would never let me do any extramural activities because she was always working and couldn't take me to them. Now I let my children do a million extramural activities and I run myself into the ground trying to get to all of it. And I always got hand-me-downs because obviously a nurse doesn't make lots of money. Now I try very hard to give my kids new clothes. Obviously we don't always get there with so many children and there are hand-me-downs, but I do try very hard. And that overcompensating does come back again. But again, if we can just be mindful and acknowledge what we are doing, we can slow that down. So I do do it, but then sometimes I'll stop in my tracks and go, no way, hold up. Like this is just too many extra murals. If it's in my budget, we can do it. And if it's in my time frame, we can do it. Otherwise, Sorry, you have other brothers and sisters like to pick two activities and that is it. So at some point you've got to draw the line and you, you've got to be, um, you've got to just watch yourself with that. And it's a constant battle of watching and then forgetting and then watching again. But we've got to constantly do that. So yes, I can totally relate to that listener, 100%. Mm. Well, uh, Joseph, I really hope uh, what Kerry has said has uh, brought some comfort to you. Let me take a quick break. When we are ba- we'll come back, we'll uh, hear more from your voice notes. 
Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. It's uh, 10 minutes uh, to uh, midnight and uh, we are still in conversation with uh, the two super moms, uh, Kerry Morrison and uh, Angie Wells. And, uh, you know, before I get to the voice notes, as a matter of fact, I want to ask the two ladies, what is it that you do at the vent? Tell us about the vent. I'm sorry, Tilly, I didn't hear that. The vent. The vent. Yeah. (laughs) The vent. So we started the vent um, as four four moms. We we all know each other very well. We've been friends for a couple of years. And uh, we started just having some conversations amongst ourselves um, and realizing that our perceptions of one another were not what it was in, in, you know, in our everyday life. How we perceived each other is not what it was like on the inside. And we started realizing that just by talking about it, um, you, you start understanding that people are going through the same issues or similar issues. And actually by talking about it, it makes you feel a little bit better that knowing that you're not the only one struggling with this. So mm. we started the event, which basically gives you a down-to-earth and practical advice that you need to finally take control of your life. As I say, we, we've just found so much validation in just being around each other and finding different perspectives, obviously from each mom individually, for our different situations. And uh, they're just they're very far from how we perceive ourselves. And the reason that we started the event was to start sharing that with our audience. So now we get together and we have conversations with one another and we actually have a podcast which we will be officially launching uh, on the 24th of September to actually just get other moms specifically but um, women, you know, just in our situations, just trying to be there for them and give give them not necessarily advice but we want to be that listening ear. Mm, listening yeah but also sharing your own experiences you say we are real and raw but fabulous i'm looking at your website (laughs) (laughs) that is what we need ladies we need a beautiful strong ladies like you to be honest with us because our society needs more love as the song says absolutely let me go to voice notes from our a-teamers hi patricia yeah, this thing of um, disciplining our, ch- uh, our children, it starts at home. And discipline, I'm not talking about punishing them or beating them up whatsoever. But I mean in terms of, uh, you know, showing them the way to say, this is not how you want things. Even if they can be little as they might. But it, 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 it comes from us as, as parents to, to, to say to a child, no. Just wait, I'll give you. No, I can't wait. I can't give you because of I don't have money. You know, teach strain and you know, training their minds and so forth. Because at the end of the day, if you don't do that, your child will embarrass you in front of the people and you will be now be perceived as a parent who cannot control his or her own child. So it starts with us as parents. Uh, this is Mandlangoma from Christiana. Thank you very much. Good evening to you, Patricia, and the guest. It's a very good idea that you are talking about, Patricia, of telling your kids what you are going to buy before you leave the house. That's what I do also. 
I've got a toddler. You know, before I leave the house, she asks daddy what I'm going to be buying, and I'll tell you everything that we're going to be buying. And I ask her, what do you want? And she will tell me what she wants. Then I say, okay, I'll buy you this, but this I won't buy you because I don't have money for it. When we get to the shop, even she sees something, she will just say to herself, no, 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 no I'm not worried about this because I know you are going to buy, my, buy me this and this because you said you are going to buy me this. These kids, they really understand and they know. It's a very good way of, you know, disciplining them just to be, to be truthful with them, to tell them what you are going to buy and what you buy for them. Thank you. It's Mark on the road from Devon. Hey, guys. It's Yann again, guys. Guys, I have this thing, right? Speaking from experience growing up also, right? That you see, for example, a dog. A dog that is chained a long time. Ne? What happened is, what happens actually, excuse me, is once that dog breaks out of the chain it's gonna want to eat everyone and everything right now that's what happens to a child once you too like protective to a child or not wanting her or him to experience more stuff the moment you're not there anymore that child is gonna want to do everything and probably for example girls get pregnant quick and so on so now how do you not wanna like let your child get into that situation but at the same time not be too protective well i'll allow our guests to answer how do we make sure that our children are not uh, overly um um, bounded out of society, but we also want them to enjoy a bit of, you know, a freedom within boundaries. How do we do that? Kerry, would you like to start? Yes, sure. Um, again, I'm going to go back to, you know, you've got to have a clear set of house rules for your children. You know, you've got to set boundaries with your children and I, I also believe in open communication. The same way that you said, you know, you tell your children exactly what you're getting from the shop. They know what to expect and they know not to question it. And I think the same goes for a lot of other things in their life. If they know that bedtime is at 7 or 8 o'clock, there's no arguing that. And, you know, it, it, that stems to saying that they may not go, for example, to... Um, a certain friend's house, you know, having open communication is very important. Um, and I think you've just got to have a balance of like allowing them obviously to live their lives and experience new things. But it, it, it differs from child to child. I, I honestly have to say that because I, I personally have three very different children. So you have to parent them in different ways. So it's not really a clear-cut answer, but I think you've got to allow them to experience things in a protective environment. Obviously not too protective because then we're going into the overprotective side of things. 
But you've got to protect your children and guide them. And, and I think by having clear and open communication, you're teaching your children, like, I'm saying no to this, but the reason for that is. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's like, difficult for a parent to explain to a child why without giving too much details. I mean, we can go into graphic uh, conversations you know, about why we won't allow children to go out by themselves and what could happen to them. You don't have to get that graphic with your children, but by having open and clear communication with your children, I think will help them understand. And at the same time, going back to what Angie said with the ABC, contribution. You've got to allow your children to feel like they are contributing um, towards the decisions that they make so that, in essence, they feel like they belong. Please weigh in, Angie. Yes, so Kerry is absolutely right. Um, if we give our children boundaries, like you say with the shopping, the same thing should be at home. If we put clear boundaries in place at home, then they know this is the rules and these things are non-negotiables. Like I, and I go back to what I said earlier on. Um, some things are complete non-negotiables and other things we can negotiate. So um, pick your battles. But obviously when it comes to things like bedtime, brushing teeth, personal hygiene, going to school, doing your homework, these things are all non-negotiables. Whereas when it comes to things like, I want to go to my friend's house, let's say you have a teenager, and they want to go to their friend's house for this party, then that's when we need to step in as parents and say, well, I don't know the parents, I don't know the children, I don't know if it's a good idea. This is why I don't think it's a good idea, because A, B, and C can happen. And, you know, they're more likely to understand. And if you just, you know, communicate with them, then they can also understand and they can contribute to the family and and understand that dynamic. So... If you are going to be one of those parents that will never let their children go to a friend's house and never let their children go to a birthday party without you, then you are going to have this problem, like the listener said, where as soon as the child is 18 and can now go out and do what they want, they're going to go get completely drunk and they're going to um, experiment with different drugs. But if you just give them a little bit of leniency within the boundaries, obviously, and within safe limits, then it, you're not going to be overprotective. Like, for example, my 17-year-old son, he knows he's not allowed to drink when he goes out with friends, but when he's at home with us, if he wants to have a glass of wine with us, that's okay. Obviously, we're not going to give him 10 glasses of wine or any shooters, but we give him that little bit of leniency so that when he does start going out Drawing with his friends when he's 18 and he's legal to drink, he's not going to go overboard because it's not a big deal. He's learned it in a safe environment and it's not, oh, wow, I've never tried this. I'm going to do it just so that I can get that, that kick, that adrenaline rush of being naughty. No, he already knows what it tastes like, what it feels like. If I have a little bit too much of that glass of wine, I feel a little bit tipsy. And I think that's where the big thing comes in. Where you have to pick your battles, first of all, and you have to communicate with your children why they can or why they can't do certain things. And by doing that, 
you are indirectly giving them a choice. And by, by giving them a choice, they are more likely to be intrinsically motivated to, to demonstrate um, good behavior. You know, it's, I wish we could go on and on and on because parenting is such a, a fascinating era of our lives, the roller coaster, as I like to call it. Kerry and Angie, thank you so very much for joining us. And I look forward to joining your conversations on the vent. And have a have good a morning. Day. I'm sure you've got <laughs> early mornings like I do, but thank you. We appreciate your time. We thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, Patricia. I really appreciate it. Hey, teamers, it's three minutes after midnight. You know, it means we need to go home. It's officially Wednesday, the 15th of September. The month has gone by so fast. We're already in the middle of it. Are you doing the right thing? Are you keeping up to your goals? Are you keeping safe and sane? Ask yourself those questions. Are you loving yourself? Are you loving others around you? Well, one thing that you can do if you want to start off your morning well is uh, stay tuned at 3 a.m. Asanda Better comes in with Sound Awake and obviously throughout the day, great content interviews and news that you should be kept tuned on because we are leading the conversation as SAFM. From us, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.